gets colder My eyes go thin as I get older Piece in pieces, bloody and bruised I feel so helpless and confused Cause I hear screaming on the left, yelling on the right I'm sitting in the middle trying to live my life Cause I can't stop the walk This is Evelyn Pringle. Welcome to Focus on the Facts. My guest today is Oli Demigard, one of the top experts in the world on conspiracy theories and false flag operations. He is an author, inventor, former journalist, and investigator who has dedicated some 35 years of his life into researching conspiracies and the false flag events all over the globe. His books include Coup d'etat and Slow Motion, Shadows of Tears, Remind Me, and Yolanda Yoga Panda. Ole was awarded the Prague Peace Prize as an investigator researching the truth and is considered a leading expert on false flag operations. He has been a speaker at many international conferences, including the JFK Conference held in Dallas in 2016. Millions of viewers and listeners around the world have taken part in his interviews and presentations. As an expert, Ole has been able to debunk the official stories behind many of the alleged terror attacks such as the Copenhagen shooting, the mass shooting in Norway, the NICE, Charlie Hebdo, Bataclan, and the Brussels airport attacks, to name a few. Ole has found that false flag pattern recognition from the JFK assassination all the way to the Parkland school shootings. He has been identifying patterns in deep state operations around the world for decades. And close to my heart, Ole is also investigating and exposing the global pedophile network and the child trafficking epidemic. He says he was not surprised by the Pizzagate, but asked the Pizzagate email revelations and that it's just standard operating procedure in nations all over the world. Ole is a real hero, and I'm proud that, uh, and honored that he came on the show, my show today. So I'll bring him on, and, and we'll get the scoop on the latest false flag events in the United States. Welcome to the show, Ole. Thank you so much, and thank you for the introduction. Well, you have done so much, it's so hard to make an introduction for you. My God, I couldn't include everything that you have done. But do but, um, you have anything you want to add to that? No, just that I've been really busy, that's for sure. Yeah. I have been watching your interviews, and boy, you have been all over the place. Yeah, I think I've, I've done between 400 and 1,000 interviews the last five years. So wow. it's been very intense. Yeah. Now, where where are you at? Over in Spain? At, yeah, I live in the south of Spain, uh, very close to uh, Gibraltar, so we can even see Morocco on a clear day, so it's a beautiful, beautiful place. We live on, up in the mountains. Okay. And you travel all around the world to where these false flag events are, right? The, what I try to do is... Uh, uncover what's going on, uncover uh, planned attacks, and then uh, try to be one step ahead and uh, expose them before they actually happen. 
if I fail, then go there afterwards and try to find out the real truth about what actually happened. And so I've been to, I don't know how many different countries. I've been to the, the Copenhagen shooting, the 7-7 bombings in London, the Madrid bombings, the Queen Day massacre in Holland, the airport uh, uh, attack in Brussels, um, the truck attack in Berlin, the truck attack in Nice, uh, the truck attack in Stockholm, the Westminster Bridge attack in London, and the beheading in Woolwich, the JFK assassination. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. Because I find that it's it's very, very important to try and go on location because it's very different once you're there. Uh, you know, the diff the distances, the angles, everything is so much di uh, different than what it looks like if you just look on the internet or you just see a filmed sequence or something like that. So it is often when I'm on location also that I discover sort of the hidden... Um, how the whole thing was carried out, where they had the headquarters, uh, who took part, and so on. So uh, it's it's been a very, very scary uh, few years here doing these things, or over the, all of these years, but also very, very interesting and very re rewarding as well, because I, I meet a lot of brave, wonderful people that are standing up for what is true and right. Right. Now, didn't you just predict like back at the beginning of March, didn't you predict the false flag event in, in Texas this week, like like yesterday? Yeah, I did. Uh, I predicted uh, in December after the Las Vegas shooting that the next uh, uh, upcoming would happen in Florida. And then uh, I, I encircled the exact area where it was going to happen. I didn't know when. And then within that circle, boom, this uh, Parkland uh, uh, high school shooting happened and it what I want to say is that um, the the bizarre thing is that some years ago I was informed by an insider that the people behind these operations they actually leave clues in the evidence about the upcome the next upcoming attack and to start with I didn't understand what he was talking about but he said you're looking in the wrong place you need to find the clues so once I started looking into it and once I started finding them and seeing, oh my God, it's actually true. They are leaving them in, in plain sight, right in front of our face. They're leaving clues about what the next step will be. Why are they doing that? <coughs> Why would they do that? According to him, it's because they're very afraid of the law of karma. And these uh, individuals have been up to a lot of bad stuff, so I can understand if they fear this law. And the way they interpret it, according to this individual, he said that uh, they think that if they show us what they're going to do uh, and we do not react, then the bad karma is on our shoulders, not theirs. So they have to show us. They have to put it out there. So I see that as a pure blessing because then we, it's up to us. If the clues are there, we just have to find them and to diffuse these operations and just become one step ahead instead of always one step behind. Right, and, and there were people that were, were ready to go to, where was it that you thought that, that false flag was going to take place? In, in Texas, uh, I'm sorry. There, it was uh, on the 18th uh, uh, in Dallas on uh, 1925 uh, Elm Street, very close to uh, Dealey Plaza, uh, in the Majestic uh, Theater. There was planned a massive big drill with over 800 uh, crisis actors in 
this day, but as far as I know, it's been cancelled. I have not heard anything. And I believe instead they redirected the whole thing to Austin, and we've just seen a whole long series of bomb attacks. But also, according to an individual who lives in Dallas, she said that there had been an attack in Dallas as well, but it's only been on the local news. Really? Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, since you predicted that, I mean, a lot of people have gotten a word out about that. And then there were some people that were going to that that place, weren't they? And then they were arrested? They planned no, on going uh, you're, you're mixing up two things. Uh, there was, uh, There is a couple called uh, Side Zone and Conspiracy Granny. Uh, they're from Texas. He's a former, I think he's a former Texas Ranger and uh, uh, military guy, special ops. And some years ago, he and his partner, they, they started becoming aware of chemtrails. And so they started looking into these things. And then the more they were looking into it, the more they came into the uh, world of false flag operations in Texas, because Texas is one of the places where I mean, it's almost like uh, false flag operations were were born there, or, or they've been carried out in such a multitude. And so what they've been doing is that uh, they've been, as soon as they've seen that there, there's been a drill announced, they've been uh, driving there with their cell phones and started filming these drills that, <coughs> because the thing is, in these false flag operations, there's always a drill. That is one of the, the constant ingredients in these... Uh, uh, operations. They they need the drill there, announce it publicly so that they can clear the area, get rid of normal people, get vehicles in position, smoke bombs, explosives, crisis actors, uh, uh, controllers, cameras, everything in position. That's what they need the drill for. And so uh, once you start seeing the pattern, which is what, one of the things that I've tried to exposed for years and years just show people the pattern so that they would be able to to smell it also the next time it happens or before it happens because it it, it is almost like uh, sometimes I, I compare it to baking a pie you know you you got certain ingredients to make a pie you can change the form the shape the color the spices but it's still a pie and it's the same with these terror uh, uh, attacks or alleged terror attacks the same ingredients are there, the, the drill, the patsy, the, the same script, uh, the investigation that are totally part of the whole thing to just cover the whole thing up, uh, commissions that follow that are also part of the crime just to cover the whole thing up, um, the hospitals that are involved that are also part of the whole thing, eyewitnesses that are also part, reporters that are also part, it follows a very specific template. And once you start seeing how it's done, then you can start smell this terrifies so that it, it comes very natural after a while. So this is one of the things that I really try to focus on to get the template out there, uh, both when it comes to assassinations, but also so-called false flag operations. How do you find out when they're going to have these drills? They announce them publicly. That's the, that's the, that's the big blessing in the whole thing. They, they can't just do it. You know, because the whole point with these drills are to get rid of normal people. They just want to clear the area. So they need to get uh, whoever is living in that area, they need to clear them away. <laughs> and so on, so 
this is why uh, they announced it on radio, TV, whatever. Tomorrow we're going to have a security drill for your protection. Please bugger off and leave us with it. And because the thing is, every single time there is a real attack, uh, I, every time I say an attack, I say alleged attack, because most of the time, if not always, these are not the way we are being told by the official stories. So every single time there is an alleged attack, there is a drill right before or the day before, sometimes even uh, like at the mass shooting in Norway and so on, there was a drill. The drill ended and 13 minutes later, boom, the bomb blew off and blew up the government building. Uh, in the 7-7 bombings in London, there was an ongoing drill and suddenly the drill went live. Uh, and so on. This, this is how they do it. So the drill is always, always there. And that, that is one of the sure signs that uh, we can see that it's a false flag operation. Sure, so I would like to explain also what a false flag is. A false flag operation, it's an old naval term from uh, in the old days when England and Spain, Holland and so on were traveling around uh, uh, with um, their vessels just invading, plundering uh, wherever they wanted. But sometimes, even though they had the military power to just go in and crush someone, sometimes that could cause problems with trading agreements and so on. <coughs> so they came up with this psyop of instead of them being the bully, the one that attacked and just crushed their enemy, what they did was that they put the enemy's flag on one of their own ships and then let one of their own ships attack themselves so that suddenly they were not the attacker, they were defending themselves. And so uh, people were applauding their efforts to uh, defend themselves, thus invading, plunder, rape and the whole thing. So instead of being the bully, they were being the hero. And so these false flags were then uh, incorporated by the pirates. They just turned it around. They put whatever uh, ship they were targeting, they put that uh, flag on, meaning that they could get really close before uh, the victim discovered that, oh my God, that ship is filled with pirates, but then it was too late. So when you a false flag is a psyop, so the, it's actually the one that attacked that is the attacker. That's very important right. to understand. The one that is being attacked is actually the attacker. And this has been going on for so long, and now they're picking them up all the more here in the United States. Anyhow, it hardly a week goes by we don't have a, some kind of terror attack or false flag attack. In the United States, it's all about they're doing these because to try to take our guns away, right? It's a, it's a it's a combination. They they uh, you only got mass shootings in the U.S. and the reason for that is just like you said, they want the guns to be the problem. All of these things are based on old Roman templates, and one of them is uh, problem reaction solution. This one is very very important to understand. The elite few have through all times constantly had the prob had had the same problem how can we the few control the masses turn them into slaves and even make them pay us so that they can kiss our feet and wipe our butt or whatever and and be our slaves how 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 and the answer has every single time been through fear 
it is only through fear that the few can control the masses. So fear is essential here. And so what they do is, if there is no threat, no outer threat that can unite the country, they create the threat. They create the boogeyman. They create, they have uh, uh, organizations or like ISIS, Al-Qaeda, their own creation, their boogeyman, to have somebody that can attack from the outside. This problem reaction solution, normally it's like a, the problem is a bomb, a mass shooting, a virus scare, a financial crash, something like that. Uh, the reason why they do it, the problem, is to get the reaction from us. And the reaction they want is an emotional outcry, absolute panic. They don't want us to think, they just want us to go into reaction and say, oh my God, oh my God, we're being attacked, please, please, we need, we need uh, somebody to help us. So we turn towards the people that we don't, we think are there to protect us, not understanding that it's actually them who have created the problem. So they will then say, well, the only way we can we can protect you against this horrible problem is and in comes the solution problem reaction solution and the solution is every single time something we would never ever have accepted had it not been for the problem so pro th this is crucial to understand and also the solution every single time is the same it's more and more militarized police more and more cctv cameras more and more tanks in the streets you having to pay for giving up your civil rights your liberal rights whatever um, and also uh, supporting unjust wars and so on so it's the same being repeated again and again and again and again and again it's the same script even being used so for someone like myself it's boring me to tears sometimes because people don't get it they there's so many that are buying into it and it's like i don't get it it's like you watching the same uh, rambo film and get surprised every single time he wins in the end. <laughs> right, right. Well, I don't, I don't understand that, you, you know, that, that, that the people don't get it. You know, I mean, these false flag events are supposed to terrorize. To tell you the truth, I, until the last couple of years, I never even played, paid attention to them. You know, I knew that what they were and everything, and, and even now when one happens, I don't pay attention to it right when it happens. I wait a couple of days until the people all come out with their summations of it and everything to figure out what happened, you know. But these other people, but, like you say, they want people to protect them. Well, what, look at down in, in Florida. I mean, how did they protect those children down there, the cops and everything? But they, they never protect them. They never. They right. come in too late. It's like uh, with all of these CTTV cameras, I mean, billions have been spent on them. And then when these things happen, they never work. Go figure. Yeah, that's what kills uh, me. That's what I said. They set up this spying on all of us, watch our every move, even in our homes, on our TVs and everything else, spying on us in our bedrooms and everything else. And then these events happen and all the, the TV cameras don't work all of a sudden. And it's, it, this is where the things that I do become valuable because since I've studied so many of the, I mean, it must be in the hundreds of these, uh, and I've started to see very clear connecting points, very clear uh, similarities, the exact same being carried out in the 
different countries, but the exact same theme, the exact same script, the exact same setup, the exact everything is the same, but it's happening in a different country. So we think, oh my God, how different is that? No, it's not. It's the same. And why are they doing them in other countries? The oh countries God, the, yeah. They're not trying in, to get their guns. No, no, it's, uh, the thing is, it's done in different, in different countries because the force that is behind all of these operations is the same. It's, in my opinion, it is what is called the New World Order, uh, and it's the so-called elite. I mean, that is what they call themselves. I have other words that is not so nice for them, but uh, a few very not courageous people that are sitting behind closed doors, uh, extreme cowards pulling the strings, starting wars, getting people killed right, left and center, and controlling from behind uh, dark uh, corridors of, of, of veiled, you know, like foggy thing. They never, ever step forward so we can see who they are. It's exactly like the Wizard of Oz, you know, but they seem very powerful, but if we just pull the curtain, we will see how few they are, how old and weak most of them are, and the whole only thing they have is this massive megaphone uh, of mainstream media. That is mostly how they get to us, through uh, TV, magazines, films, uh, the internet. They get to us and they pump our minds full of fear. And because that's where they want it. If we're fearful, that's where they can control us. So normally what I say to people that, because so many are saying, but what can I do? What can I do? What you can do is work on yourself on becoming more fearless. You know, let go of fear, meditate, do whatever, train yourself on letting go of fear, turn off the TV. That is one major one. There's an incredible button on the remote. It's normally red and it says off. When you click that one, for a day or two, might, you might have withdrawals and shakings or whatever, but after a while, you will start feeling different. You will start discovering that around you, you have family that you might have not been speaking to for years, friends, neighbors, and so on. Because the, the, it is through the media, it is through the TV and so on, it, that they pump our heads full with this... Um, it's I don't know what to call it sewage water it's like an open sewage in your living room it uh, comes in a very clever uh, package you know smart packaging looks very stylish and and so on comes in great colors but what it does is it totally contaminates your mind and get to you on many many levels that you're not aware of so that is how they get to us and so I would suggest that is a major one to just turn it off and then many, many people say but as a as a uh, responsible adult i need to follow the news i need to know what's going on i totally agree you need to know what's going on so don't so find the sources that you can trust and mainstream media at this point have been so hijacked that that is not the place to go and i myself have not had a tv for i think about 12 years or something like that and I'm still pretty well informed. Right. You know, it wasn't because of this, but I just, for some reason, quit watching TV back in the mid-90s. And so um, I got a boyfriend about eight years ago, and I started watching some TV sitcoms and stuff again. I could not believe it. I could not believe it, how they have pushed out this perversion 
in all the sitcoms, you know, and everything. It was just unbelievable to me that they were showing this stuff on mainstream media TV in, in family viewing hours. It's it's just awful. But anyhow, I don't watch it now. But and the reason I'd, I'd like to watch it to um, just to see what the mainstream media is saying, you know, but... But I was reading where they can, you know, they have these subliminal messages and stuff, and they can plant this, this stuff in your brain just watching the TV, you know. And uh, and I don't want I don't want this stuff going into my brain that the mainstream media is saying and leaving an imprint in my brain that this happened, this particular thing happened the way they said it did. When I know it didn't, but my brain will still register that, you know. And so the at thing, future time, the I'll probably is, remember uh, back and say something happened, but it didn't. But go ahead. Yeah. It's, um, do you know the, the expression conspiracy theories is actually a CIA creation that was uh, created uh, after the JFK assassinations to be used against anyone who started asking critical questions about what actually happened. So this was the way they could throw this uh, term at anyone who tried to do that. And then as soon as there's a theory, they add the word theory, then you have the, the doubt. And then you can right. start making fun of this individual, you can play around with him, put a tinfoil hat on him and get rid of him, disregard right. him. So, uh, conspiracy theories, not interesting at all. Conspiracies, there's a lot of them and very, very important for us to see what's going on. So, um, I lost the thread now. But... Uh, well, I know they I started that after the JFK assassination, and that's so ridiculous. I mean, I was in the seventh grade then, so I was like about 13, 12 or 13. No, I would have been 13. The very month that he was killed, I would have been 13. So, and at 13, in my mind, I questioned everything, you know? And I mean, back then we were off school, you know, when that assassination took place, and then it was live TV, and I saw Lee Harvey Oswald shot there on live TV at 13 years old. You know, this is how terrible this has gotten. But, I mean, anybody asking questions, well, at 13 years old, I had questions. But, you know, many of these cases are, I would say, no-brainers. You know, right. like if you look at 9-11, you got uh, the assassination of Robert Kennedy, for instance. I mean, here it's said that, uh, just as an example, uh, Sirhan Sirhan, the man who is sitting, rotting away his whole life in prison, uh, right. sentenced for the assassination of our Robert Kennedy, he had a revolver with eight shots in it. He was uh, in the same kitchen where Robert Kennedy was uh, at the Ambassador Hotel in Los Angeles, had just finished his speech and was the, the road towards White House uh, with him as the next president and possibly with Martin Luther King as vice president was opening up. So he had to be stopped there, according to these brutal forces. Now, Sirhan Sirhan uh, approached Robert Kennedy from the front, pulled out the gun and started shooting. There were eight bullets in his gun. As soon as he started shooting, he was wrestled down on a steam table. They took away the gun, his gun. And at no time was he uh, nowhere else than just straight in front of Robert Kennedy and uh, about three feet away, that was the closest. So how, where were Robert Kennedy hit? Of course he was hit three times straight from the front. No, he was hit three times straight from behind and to the right. And the last shot was point blank 
where the gun was pressed against his skull, so it even had burned away hair behind his ear. So it's not to be a conspiracy theorist to say, listen, there must have been a, de a second shooter. Also, there was, there was about 13 bullet holes, but only eight in, in Sirhan Sirhan's gun, and he hadn't time to reload. So, then, like that case is a no-brainer. He was not the one who did it. But here we are being fed with the mainstream story over and over and over and over again. And I say, shame on everyone who calls himself a journalist who is not looking into things like this. You know, these things cannot go uh, and just be left alone because they these were part of a coup d'etat. The an assassination of, of JFK was a coup d'etat. It was a coup d'etat of the U.S. and the Western world. And the forces, the very brutal forces that slaughtered him that day, are still there. They're the same families, the same individuals sometimes that I have just taken over and are, are driving this tank in, of death and destruction behind the uh, presidency. And so, so every new president is just a nice new cover, a glossy front, but it's still the same machine of death that is just moving forward. That is why nothing changes also. All right, nothing changes. So what do you think of uh, Mr. Uh, Trump here in office? I mean, I, I, I can't stand him. I can't stand him, but my only consolation was is that the alternative didn't get in, that Hillary didn't get in. Hillary is a, a super criminal, as is Bill, uh, with a body count that is just so horrifying. I mean, they got about 25 deaths very close to their career, bodyguards, people that they've been in business with, people that have stood up against them and so on, that have just been eliminated. Witnesses so that she, are ready to she testify. Is, right. She is what is called a monster. Then we have Trump. Normally I don't, uh, I don't vote, I'm not interested in politics. The only thing I'm interested in is tracking down uh, criminals, super criminals, and trying to expose them and stop them. So when it comes to Donald Trump, I don't know. I, I don't know. I have no idea. Uh, I can say that he, there is a possibility that he could be somebody that would actually want to make a difference, but I don't buy it at all. Because what I've seen is that it's almost like he's sent in as a joker and just there to create confusion, 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 <laughs> and diversion away from what actually is going on. Because you have to ask yourself, with these false flag operations, these mass shootings that for someone like myself uh, is very easy, with my experience, to break down in great detail and show this was staged, state-sponsored terrorism. It was not a terror attack. Someone like Do Donald Trump, with all the security agencies, Homeland Security, all of these, FBI, CIA, you name it, with the budget he has and so on. For them, it would be an absolute piece of cake to solve these problems or crimes like this, boom. But instead, he plays along. He goes in and says our sympathy is with the victim, with the families of the victims and so on. Many of these uh, stage events, there are no real victims even. They're phantom identities. I've been on location in many places trying to find 
the graves of these individuals, trying to find death certificate, birth certificate, families, where are they? Where did they go to school? Do you go to the schools? They, they've never heard of them, and so on. The created identities, many of these victims. So for someone to like Donald Trump to go in and do the whole thing, sympathy for the families of the victims and so on, that in my world shows that he is in on it. He is playing the game. And so we have to once again just see that if you look for a solution, don't go to the government. I mean, they are, that is the problem these power constructions. The solution is us. We have to find the solutions. We have to take our power back and we have to do it. No one else is doing it for us. No. No. And, it, and it's so hard because it's the people at the top, top, top of the behind all this. I mean, how do we take them down? I don't know. I just know that uh, I will do my absolute utmost and continue like a, what do you call these battery bunnies, you know, like ding, 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 ding. Continue, 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 continue. I mean, if you look at it logically, we're screwed, you know, we, there's no chance, we lost, uh, we might as well just lie down and die. But if you ask my heart, I know this is a piece of cake. We will, yeah. we will solve this. We will transcend this whole thing. But we need to be courageous. We need to stand up. We need to stand in balance, compassion, forgiveness, but fearless exposure of these forces. Because like with all criminals, it's only in the dark that they can work. You know, as soon as you aim the spotlight at them, you neutralize them. They can't move because they can only manipulate and stab you in the back and, and do all of these crimes in the dark. That is also why my website is called Light on Conspiracies. Just aim the light straight into the belly of the beast. And the power of the truth is so potent. It is so powerful. And I must say the truth, I'm, I'm in love with it. I love the truth. It fears no investigation. It stands on its own. And it's just a matter of finding it. It's always there. But when there are conspiracies and crimes, then you have this whole heap of smelly, stinking lies and betrayals and fear and that is covering the truth. And <coughs> so every time you see that they don't want the truth to expose, when they, the investigation is not doing what they should do, instead seeming like they're very useless at what uh, they should be good at, and that their efforts is very poor, you, you will see that, okay, fair enough, they're in it. Right. They're all involved in it. And it's the same in the... No, in the... no they're absolutely Pardon? not all involved. Not all involved, but we're talking key people in the in the legal system, key people in the police system, key people, rogue elements in the FBI, in the CIA, in the government, and so on. There are lots of beautiful, honest, decent people as well. And these are the people we need to reach out to and see if we can get in touch with their heart and get them to become brave from the inside and break out of this system. Right, I was listening to an interview when you were talking about that, about bringing these people out. And who was that one guy, that Renard, um, that banker that came out? Yeah. Do, do you know who I'm talking Ren about? 
His name is uh, uh, Renald Bernard. Yeah. Ronald Bernard. I'm going to do a, a conference with him in Holland in a few weeks in a church in Holland. It's going to be an amazing day. Wonderful. And here's one of these individuals that I'm talking about, very, very brave individual that got lured into and was too weak to step out and got himself involved in some very, very horrific stuff, which he has now to deal with because he has so soiled his soul and now he has chosen to, to step out and see how he can, whatever he can do to redeem himself and help to, to expose these things. So uh, I'm helping out uh, different whistleblowers as well to step forward and make it sort of like a platform. Uh, one of them is Cody Snodgrass. <coughs> and uh, who is um, uh, a black op uh, a private contractor that were in black ops for some 20 odd years. And uh, he has now chosen to step forward as well. He's written a book that is very, very interesting. It's called Choosing the Light. You can find it on uh, lightonconspiracies.com forward slash Cody. And <clears throat> he was actually offered $1 million to blow up the Alfred P. Murray building in Oklahoma City one year before it happened and turn it down because he felt very strongly that it was a patsy job that he was being set up. And uh, when he turned it down, he turned from being an asset, one of these secret assets, into a liability. And from then on, his life turned into absolute hell. But now, he's still around. Now when they ask somebody to do something like that, they offer them a million dollars. What do they tell them they're doing it for? What do they say? I'll give you a million dollars to blow up the federal building. What do they tell them they want them to blow that building up for? But in that world of black ops uh, and uh, private contractors, the CIA, they don't need a motive. You know, it's just business as usual. They get a job, they do it. There's no emotions involved. They do it for the money. They do it for the power, the thrill, whatever. I don't get it at all. But uh, that's it. And uh, Cody, he has done a lot of horrific stuff. And he knows that, and now he's doing everything he can, just like Ronald, to redeem himself by exposing what's actually going on. Well, I hope they can tell by, well, probably they'll be able to tell by Cody too, but by that Bernard, that these other people that are involved in this, that they see, we welcomed him when he came out. I mean, I did, and I, I, I think a lot of people that are trying to, you know, reveal the, you know, the global pedophile network and stuff, welcomed him out. Yeah, and I think that it's very important that we do that because these people are very scared and for good reason. Uh, you know, it's not without risk to step forward. And the people that do it, their life will never be the same again. But yet again, it is the right thing to do. Because you can, when you have done things like this, you can, you can be, keep quiet about them, you can try to forget it, but it will always be there eating on your inside and very often you see that people with these type of guilt feelings or or have that have been involved in these type of things they start with drugs alcohol trying to, to, to silence these voices and so on and in the end many of them become very sick and they die from cancer and so on from these guilt feelings so 
not only have they got a chance to redeem themselves, but they also have a chance to save themselves bodily as well and soul and the whole thing. So it is a very scary process, but also a very beautiful process to see. And if it's done in in a sincere way, a sincere, brave, courageous way, the healing that can take place is absolutely amazing as well. Right, right. Well, you know, I'm in recovery. I'm a recovering alcoholic and addict, and I, I got sober in 1985. And I'll tell you, going to those AA meetings, um, that was such a consoling place to go and everything that that really helped me. I mean, when you get into recovery, if you've been an alcoholic and addict, you've got a lot of skeletons and dirt and stuff that you feel pretty bad about, you know. But um, having a place like AA was so helpful to me. And so this is kind of what these whistleblowers need, you know, caring people that understand and will accept them in. And this is where I try not to judge, you know, because uh, I I have not walked in their shoes. I don't know what happened in their lives. I I try to uh, detach from uh, any blame and so on. At the same time, absolutely not accepting the deeds or what they've done. But I try to to uh, separate the sin from the sinner, and uh, and so that I try to support the, the this individual, whoever he is, to step forward and to regain himself, to empower himself, to uh, let go of these things. To but. It comes with a price. This individual has to maybe face the the victims of what he's been part of doing, you know, face to face. Scary, scary. But at the same time, if it's done in the correct way, incredible healing can happen. But it oh, needs absolutely. to be sincere. Right, right. Well, I'm a former um, alcohol and drug abuse counselor too, and so I could see working with these people. And I can see what you say, you know, like I used to own these outpatient treatment facilities and we would have family programs and the family would come for weekend programs. And it was such a healing thing, you know, that they could, I, I would guide the sessions and they could discuss things with their family and stuff that happened over the years. And, and I guess the same kind of philosophy would be used to treat these kind of people if they came out from the darkness that they're in. I totally agree. I totally agree. Uh, you got the Truth and Reconciliation Committee in South Africa after the apartheid uh, Hyde regime. They did an incredible job when it came to letting victims and and uh, the perpetrators meet. And uh, the same in jails. There are many jails where this uh, opportunity is given to perpetrators and their victims. It's it's roar. The, the, the more horrific the crimes have been, of course, it will be more intense and more difficult, but even more important as well. So I think exactly like you say, to create a platform where these people can come and be surrounded, welcomed into this very scary minefield, right. but supported through it, you know. Right, right. Wow. Well... I think, you know, Trish and I, um, Patricia Negron and I, you know, it's our, we say if it's the last thing we do on this earth, it's going to be to end this global pedophile network, you know. And and we're always looking at ways that we can, that would help this, you know. That we, But but I listened to you on an interview, and you were explaining this about these, these 
guys that come out, these people that come out, that they need help, and I fully agree. And, of course, I come from the other end, being a former counselor, you know, of alcoholics and addicts, I can understand this fully, that they need a place to feel safe and a place that, that they can come out and bear their souls and not be judged. And <coughs> it, it is a tricky one, especially yeah. with pedophiles and things where innocent yeah. children have been massacred or, or raped or it that is the ultimate difficult yeah. area to get into I, I don't know how to how to deal with it in, a, in the right way but I have a, a beautiful friend in Belgium her name is Karine Hutzebout who spent some 30 odd years face to face with governments high up you know people in the absolute top positions and she's just been tracking them down, uh, confronting them, meeting perpetrators in jail, victims, and so on. She has done incredible work when it comes to these type of things. And so, but nothing has happened, you know, the, the, the judges, uh, the courts don't deal with her at all, even though she's got right. like meters thick of, of evidence, the courts, because the courts are involved as well. Uh, that's the whole thing. These these systems, these legal systems, and so on, have been hijacked in key positions. That's how the whole play play is being played. You know that how to control through as few as possible, but control the system. That's what the game is about. And uh, so, once again, we can't tr we can't uh, trust the, the legal system, or maybe we can find judges that have the courage to stand up and if so that would be wonderful and then open up a new way i know uh, sasha stone uh, which i i met for the first time recently on bali um, he is involved in a big project uh, trying to expose these things on a very high level also with legal systems uh, i i'm not really sure about all the details but really trying to uh, get governments and so involved but yet again, it is on the government level where you where the problem is. So it's it's a tricky one because it's just like going to Al Capone and say, can can you please help me with the mob? We are having a problem with the mob. Can you please help us? I don't think he would. No. So and the thing is, they're all involved in the mob. Is well, it is just a great big huge global criminal enterprise that's running this world, and Satanists. I said, that's what we're in the battle of our lifetime. This is a battle against the Satanists, and they're running the world. And I give Putin credit. I mean, he says that, that the West is being ruled by Satanists, and he's right. And I give him credit, too, you know, that, uh, you know, he wants to be rid of these pedophiles, you know, and, and make it the first time pass the law now that they lock first-time pedophiles up for life in prison. You know, I, I do have to say this about Trump. He, he is making a great show about taking down these child sex trafficking rat lines and things. You know, there have been a lot of arrests, but the people at the top are still walking around, and we see them out there. But I've, heard, I've read a lot about arrests. I've, I've heard about arrests in the hundreds, but have they actually happened? That's my big question. Well, I investigate them, and they, ha they happen, but... Um, they're not getting the ones at the top. That you know, they're not getting Podesta or Bill Clinton or Hillary or any of them that are running these child sex trafficking rat lines all over the globe. 
You know, so as long as they let them run around free, it doesn't matter how many little people they arrest. No, and here we are once again. You know, like, if somebody was really sincere, they would go for the top, they would go for the roots, pull out the roots. But right. I, what I see is that they're sort of going for the, the small people the, in these networks and so on. So, I don't know. I can only hope that he's sincere. Um, but um, this is this is where I try to do my part, do as many shows as possible with this these things also try to identify the places where um, children are being abducted, how they are being adopted. I think the national parks is one place where uh, there are special gangs that are just uh, sort of waiting for families to come and then they're hiding around these uh, uh, parking uh, lots and so on so that when the child just wander up, boom, they're gone in a few seconds and that's it. The natural, uh, national uh, parks are one of the major ones where these uh, kids are, are abducted, I think. And also the tunnel systems under the big cities, very often connected to uh, libraries and museums where all kinds of weird stuff is going on. But once again, this, these pedophile networks is also used to corrupt people so that they can be controlled. Because in, right. in the explain old days... That. Explain that. So, how some of these people get trapped into this and, you know, they get suckered into this. Explain how that happens. Well, what I've heard from Roland and, uh, and other people is that, uh, you know, it starts very soft. You are sort of welcomed into the brotherhood, uh, the, you know, the businessmen, the powerful businessmen. You're... They say, come on, you know, let's have a drink, welcome in, you're one of us. They start doing favors for you, you get tickets to operas, you, all of these things. So you start feeling that, whoa, I'm one of them, oh, amazing, amazing, you know. And your ego starts getting uh, empowered by the whole thing and you start not seeing clearly. Then when they, what they do is they invite you to these different parties and the parties are you know, great parties, very luxurious and drugs and you can have prostitutes and whatever, but then it it accelerates. So I think quite a few times people, are, when they're intoxicated or on cocaine or whatever, you know, and they get led into a room by some beautiful prostitutes and get seduced. And then in the middle, when all of this is going on, suddenly children are being brought into the room and what these people are not aware of is that everything is being filmed. That's the, the whole point of these things, because that they're being set up. And so, uh, while they're totally out of their mind of drugs and alcohol and so on, children are involved, sometimes uh, sacrifices are done, people are getting killed, all of it being filmed. And then from that very second, you have got that individual in your power. Anything he wants life. to do, you have them by the balls and just saying, listen, before you even think about that, maybe you would like to see this little video we have of you. Right, right. You know, because what in the old days, it was enough if you had an affair, that could be used as blackmail. Or if you were gay, that days, could be used yeah. as blackmail. But nowadays, it's like gay is nothing. 
or transsexuals, right. nothing. You can be a mayor or whatever. It, nobody really reacts anymore. So the only way, the only thing that is left where you can really control people is through this pedophile thing. Right, right, exactly. And, and so, what do you think? Do you think that uh, you think the CIA had Jeffrey Epstein down there just running that racket of, of getting all them important people down to his island and filming them? Could you repeat that question, please? I said, you know that Jeffrey Epstein. Do you think that um, that his whole setup was a setup by the CIA so he could just get all those businessmen and politicians and everything down there and film them and so he could blackmail them? I would suggest that it's a very strong possibility, but I don't think uh, the CIA is so much involved. It's more the FBI that are into these things, and then they they cooperate behind the scenes together. Uh, well, I thought he had his airplane that it actually is a, was a CIA airplane that he flies around in. Like I say, they work together. So uh, right, in this right. specific case, I'm not sure, but but it, it is. You know, like once you got people hooked, once you got them controlled, you can just carry on. And then these parties just get bigger and bigger and more extreme. This is also where I would suggest there's quite a few testimonies about how human hunting has become more and more uh, part of these uh, circles. Uh, right. Tell, tell the listeners about that, those human hunting parties. It is, it is a gruesome thing that I would prefer not talking about, but now you ask me. Um, more and more people have come forward over the years talking about how uh, these elite parties, uh, you know, as the ultimate thrill, instead of shooting geese or, or, or deers or whatever, uh, the ultimate thrill has always been human hunting, to kill another human being. Uh, you can hear serial killers talk about this. Uh, the the highest of high is when you kill someone else if you got the other one's life in your hand. Uh, and I've I've spoken to soldiers of fortune, uh, contractors. They say the same thing. And it seems like in this this elite here as well that this is one of the major thrills for them. And so one of the things that uh, have been told from these parties is that suddenly they bring in. Uh, like two, three individuals, uh, guns are given out to the people at the party, and then the two, three individuals are let loose. They they just say, okay, run now, and then it's for the people uh, at the party to hunt them down and kill them. And, right, right. Wow. I had Fiona Barnett. Go, go ahead. You know, there's very bizarre things going on here with the Illuminati card game. Also with death pool betting and uh, bizarre, bizarre things. Yeah, you people think that they're actually betting when they stage these false flags that they're actually betting on the deaths and everything else? That's death pool betting is, is quite, quite a big thing uh, in the gaming industry. And what it's all about is that uh, you put money on the exact time when somebody is going to die. And the more of a celebrity this individual is, and the more against the odds, you know, the younger, healthier he is, uh, the, the stake goes up. But the whole gaming is about when to decide when somebody dies. But you are not in the rules, it says very nicely, you're not allowed to murder anyone just to make a big win. Uh, that's very kind of them. But uh, 
so it has to be of natural causes or an accident, but not caused by anyone else. But there's a lot of speculation by uh, excellent researchers about these false flags where uh, it seems like they're playing with the odds also how many uh, real victims, how many fake ones, how many uh, and so on, and when are they going to die, and so very bizarre. This is, this is what's so disgusting. These people, these rich people that I used to say years ago, they can't even spend all that money they have it. They, they, live, they can't even spend it in their life, but they want more and more and more. But this is the point they're at. They're so rich, they've done everything. So now this is how they get their thrills. You, will you know, see with that, the pedophile yeah. networks and hunting parties and betting on deaths of, of human beings. This is our elite. It, no, it's. Uh, I would like to take it one step further because if I'm right, I mean, I've been tracking down uh, assassins and exposing false flag terror for half my life, more or less. And what I've found over the years is I have not been able to track down one real Muslim terrorist. I have not found. Sometimes I've found Muslim individuals that have been involved in it, but they've been set up equipped, trained by FBI and so on, and then there to take the fall. What I have constantly bumped into is the same. It's state-sponsored terror uh, carried out by uh, private contractors or NATO troops or people from the Gladio network, uh, the US military and so special forces. They are the ones who are actually doing it. So when you look at all of these alleged terror attacks, that are carried out by state-sponsored uh, warriors, but blamed on Muslim terrorists. What? Why are so many people being killed in these Muslim countries as part of these to act a, a revenge for all of these attacks? Because they would be—they're totally innocent. Right. Listen, I've always gone already, Oli. Thank you so much. I'm so proud that you would come on the show. Thank you for all you do. Well, my absolute pleasure. Thank you ever so much for having me on the show and for what you're doing. Okay, Oli. Okay, gang. We'll see you next week. Have a good week. Bye. I can't change the world and make things fair. The least that I can do, the least that I can do.